Thank you for choosing to listen to our sermon podcast. My name is Chris Mitchell. I'm one of the pastors here at First Covenant Church of Anchorage. If you have any questions or prayer requests, feel free to stop by or send an email to office at anchoragefirstcovenant.com. God bless. That we do when someone's decided to follow Jesus. And it's basically asking if that person that's getting baptized, if they repent of their sins, and one to follow Christ, declaring that Christ has forgiven them. And then you either pour water on them, or you dunk them in water. Or in the case of babies, you know, you ask their parents if they're going to teach that baby um, that Jesus Christ is our Lord. And that life. Now, uh, right off the bat, he's um, in those explanations of baptism. Um, but both of them involve some sort of uh, commitment to Jesus, either from the parents or from the child or adult, however the case would be. Um, baptism is, is something that we call a sacrament. Uh, a sacrament comes from a, a word in Latin, and it's the oaths that soldiers took. Um, it's the oaths that they took to their leader and to their country. And so it's like a formal process of binding yourself to something. And so baptism, it's a sacrament. It's a, it's a, it's a process of binding yourself to God. And it, it's something that you do outwardly that reflects what's going on internally. Okay, There's a relationship between what you're doing outwardly and what's going on internally. And it's an extremely important concept in the New Testament. In each of the Gospels, uh, before Jesus does, like any of his active ministries, it starts with baptism. All four Gospels. There's an account of Jesus' baptism. And that's before he does any miracles, uh, before he gives any sermons or, or challenges you know, the authorities. All the Gospel writers, all four of them, tell us about Jesus being baptized by John in the Jordan River. And there's lots of other things spoken about. Um, there's lots of backstory of the people involved with the baptism and uh, But that's how it starts. In Acts chapter 8, an angel of the Lord is sent to the Apostle Philip to meet with an Ethiopian eunuch and, um, as he was traveling home. And uh, the eunuch, he was reading over the words of Isaiah, trying to make sense of it. Because sometimes it's hard to make sense of the Bible. And, and Philip, um, the Holy Spirit sent Philip to, to meet him. And Philip met with him, and he explained the prophet's words as being fulfilled by the good news of Jesus Christ. And they were just passing by some water. And the, the, the eunuch said, hey, there's some water. Can I be baptized? And so Philip baptized them. Um, there isn't any record in that story of Philip teaching the eunuch about morality. There isn't any uh, mention about Philip teaching uh, the eunuch about uh, virtuous living. It actually doesn't even appear like Philip said anything about baptism. because He was explaining some, this part of Isaiah. But for some reason, baptism was like the natural response of the eunuch to the good news of Jesus Christ. And that's kind of how baptism is treated in the Bible, and especially in the New Testament. It's how people naturally respond to the gospel. It's such an obvious response, it doesn't really need to be explained. Um, but uh, that was then, right? It's kind of just something that everybody kind of knew. Now, things kind of need to be explained. We don't know exactly everything. 
Um, somehow we lost what baptism means because we're 2,000 years removed from that culture. And so we read over scripture trying to describe what, when they say baptism. And there are some things we understand. Some things are really clear because it means according to Romans 6, 3 through 4, that we've died, been buried, and now are raised with Christ to walk in new lives. Or from 1 Corinthians uh, 12, 13, we know that baptism means we are now joined together with all the peoples to his spirit. Or 1 Peter 3, 20 through 21, we have a future hope through Jesus of being presented pure and holy before God. So you look at all these things and you, you, you kind of understand what it means. It means something about being saved. But there's a lot of things that are unclear. We don't get a lot of details. We don't know how it works. We don't know when exactly the Holy Spirit becomes involved. We know that it is involved. Um, but we don't know when, because Scripture gives us examples of the, God's Holy Spirit coming on people after baptism, and examples of it coming uh, before baptism, and examples of it coming during baptism. And we know that people were baptized after they believed, but um, we don't know, and we were told that like the entire household was baptized. So we don't know if does that really mean the whole household, like your entire household, is baptized? Like, because we're not said said anything about little children being left out or included. It doesn't just doesn't say anything, and it doesn't say anything about the household slaves, what they believed in. Um, so it's just kind of said it happens. Now. We're, a lot of times, whenever it's telling us about those things, it's telling us a story, and that's just not important to the story. Um, those sort of details aren't relevant to the story. But we're trying to create, because we like to make rules, and so we're trying to read the story and create rules, because we want to know all the details. We want to know boundaries and, and, and who's in and who's out. We want the lists of clean and unclean, but the Bible doesn't give us that. We're given examples. We're told what it does, but we're not told why or how. So when we look at baptism, it has to be with a generous heart. Uh, because people that love Jesus, that study scripture, they interpret it in different ways. Because whenever the Bible explains or mentions baptism, it's always included with a bunch of other ideas. It's included, it's always with ideas about being part of God's family and about um, receiving the Holy Spirit, and about the forgiveness of sins, and cleansing of sins, and participating in Christ's death and resurrection. Those are a lot of topics. And those are all kind of clustered together when we talk about baptism. So whenever we talk about baptism, it's almost like we don't talk about one thing. We talk about a person's entire life, their entire life with Christ. So... What I want to do is just look at some baptisms in the Bible. And we're just going to go over three really fast. John's baptisms, Jesus' baptism, and hopefully through kind of looking at these baptisms, we'll, we'll kind of understand more of what baptism is to us or for us. Um, now it occurs to me that I just jumped right in here because I had a lot to say, um, and I didn't pray. So let's pray. God, you are good. And you love us and you invite us into life with you. And Lord, we know that um, 
you want to be with us, that you chose us. And so we pray that as we, as we look at Scripture, as we talk about it, as we think about it, that you move in our hearts, that you teach us to respond to your love, to respond to your grace. In Christ's name, amen. Okay. Um, also, just this is a more of a this is a sermony sermon. This is more of a lectury sermon. So, uh, because it's a lectury sermon, I'm preparing prepping students for going back to school in two weeks. If you have any questions at the end, uh, feel free to ask. Um, so, I had some a few last week that I'm still kind of like thinking about. So, uh, so feel free to ask questions and kids and adults. If you show me your notes, I will give you a prize. Actually, myself or Rebecca will give you a prize because we do have prizes. Um, now, your parents' notes and show it to them, but it should really be your own. And I'm looking at you. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right. So let's start with um, John's baptisms. And, and these are in all the Gospels, but I want to... Uh, use Mark's. So we're going to look at, at Mark chapter 1, starting at verse 4. John the Baptist was in the wilderness calling for people to be baptized to show that they were changing their hearts and lives and wanted God to forgive their sins. Everyone in Judea and all the people of Jerusalem went out to the Jordan River and were being baptized by John as they confessed their sins. John wore clothes made out of camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist. He ate locusts and mild honey and announced, One stronger than I is coming after me. I'm not even worthy to bend over and loosen the straps of his sandals. I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Okay, John, wild man of the desert. And he is able to draw people from all over Judea to come out into the wilderness so that they can confess their sins and be baptized. And this is before Jesus. This is before Jesus began his ministries. He was just doing this. This is Jesus' older cousin. And they all seemed to know what it meant. So um, they go out there, and it was an act of repentance. They went out there, and they said, I'm sorry. And they went out there to repent and to reject the old life that they were living so they could try to live a new life. Uh, the people of Judea, they left the comforts of their home and they went out to the wilderness to be baptized. And wilderness, it's important in the Bible. Okay, because if you read the Old Testament, uh, the Israelites, of which John was part of, they wandered the desert for 40 years, uh, waiting and roaming in anticipation of being able to move into their promised lands, um, from being homeless into a home. And so when John, whenever he offered a baptism and it was in the wilderness, it was like they were going back in time and reliving that experience. Okay, they responded to John's call for confessing their sin and repenting of their sins and receiving the forgiveness of sins by reliving the movements of their ancestors, by going into the wilderness, and then whenever they entered the Promised Land, they had to cross the Jordan River to go into the Promised Land. So they, they go into the wilderness, they go into the water, and then they come back out ready to receive God's promises new. And John's baptism, it kind of shows the hope for a future, that somehow our future 
is, is, isn't bound by our past, that we can start again, that we can be purified. It's a, it's a dream of a second chance. And that's why in John's gospel, or sorry, in the gospel, John, it's kind of tricky because I said John's gospel because there's the gospel of John, but this is John the Baptist, totally different guy, same name, because the Bible likes to have people with multiple same names. Um, so it gets confusing. So John points to something beyond his baptism. He points to someone else claiming that after me comes someone who will baptize with more than water. And, and water's good, right, because it cleansed them and it signified the rejection of their old identity and it displays a willingness. Hey, I, I want to be to enter into God's promises. And all that's good. But Jesus is the fulfillment of that promise, right? He's the one who's going to be baptized with more than water. So John claimed, I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Through Jesus comes the Spirit. Uh, the Spirit is life, and it moves beyond just purification, right? Just being cleansed. It just it goes beyond just being cleaned, but to a reanimation, like recreation. It's being died and being reborn with Jesus, a life that's not just cleaned, but remade. John points out a future where we'll, we'll be able to enter into a the promises of the kingdom of God and to the Messiah. And, and John's baptism is like a foreshadowing. You guys know what foreshadowing is? I used to be an English teacher so um, a long time ago. And foreshadowing is something where you read something and it's kind of a hint of something that's going to happen in the future. Um, John's baptism, it's like a foreshadowing of our own baptism, of Christians' baptism now. Our baptism is everything that John's was but even more. In Romans 6, 3-4, we're told, Therefore we have been buried with him in baptism, into death, so that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, so we might walk in the newness of life. In our baptism, uh, we, just like those people baptized by John, we confess and we repent and we receive forgiveness of our sins. But beyond that, we walk out and we walk into a new life. We die and are reborn. We're recreated by the glory of our Father. And, and remember, I said this earlier, there's lots of ideas that are all kind of lumped together with baptism. Because baptism is kind of like the totality of Christian life put into one moment. It's everything about being a Christian put into one moment. And baptism is about life. Uh, it's about a new life in Christ. Not a perfect life, because um, birth isn't perfect. But it's about the beginning of a new life. In baptism, we die. We die to who we are, to all of our past, to our sins that we've committed, the hurts that we've inflicted upon others, and the hurts that have happened to us. Right? Those sins. Those are all buried. Then by the glory of God through the Spirit, we rise up to the newness of life. Okay, that's the first baptism. Baptism two. And this is Jesus' baptism. And Jesus was baptized by John. Um, I'm gonna, we're going to look at Matthew for this one. Uh, Matthew, starting at chapter 3, verses 13. At that time, Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan River so that John would baptize him. 
John tried to stop him and said, I need to be baptized by you, yet you come to, to me? And Jesus answered, allow me to be baptized now. This is necessary to fulfill all righteousness. So John agreed to baptize Jesus. And when Jesus was baptized, he immediately came up out of the water and heaven opened up to him and he saw the spirit coming down like a dove and resting on him. And a voice from heaven said, this is my son whom I dearly love. I find happiness in him. So um, you might need to ask, why did Jesus get baptized? Because if he's the one that John's baptism was pointing towards, then why did he do it? Um, now, Christians typically believe that Jesus is the only person without sin, right? He, he was born without sin. He didn't commit sins. So why did he participate in this ritual that was all about acknowledging, repenting, and cleansing ourselves of sin? Why did he start his ministry that way? And it's the same reason why Jesus said most of his things. Because he loves us. Baptism is about Jesus identifying himself with us. It's about Jesus saying that, that I'm with you. Um, his baptism was a submitment. Submission, sorry. His baptism was a submission. That, that, we, needed, that we needed to be cleaned. That we all need to be cleaned. It was kind of a, an, an, an accusation that we didn't live up to God's promises and what God wanted for us. And so whenever he got baptized, it's like saying, yeah, we've all messed up. And we're all fallen, and we're all broken, and we're all sinful, and we all hurt. Right? And so Jesus is baptized. Okay? But it's not just him saying, and you have all that because you're a terrible, terrible person. The end. No. It's saying, yeah, you're sinful, you're broken, but I'm going to be with you. I'm going to be with you. And Jesus' baptism shows him as Emmanuel, as a God with us. It shows that while we're yet sinners, he still identified with us. He still loved us. It's not just, baptism isn't just an indictment. It isn't just an accusation and a, a declaration of sin. It's also a declaration of God's love. That God lo loves us so much that we're just not left in our sinful state. Because what happened in Jesus' baptisms, right? So Jesus gets baptized and the waters are parting over his heads. And the heavens opened up. The spirit descended and the voice of God came down declaring, pleasure in my, his son. This is my son, who I'm very well pleased. That's how Jesus began his ministry. It's the beginning of the reconciliation of the world. His baptism for the church, it's the model of our baptism. It's a hope that, hey, we're going to be born again, and it's going to be new. God's spirit's going to pour out on us. God's going to be pleased with us. God is pleased with us. God loves us. It's a blessing that every Christian gets to share in. That we're one in our body, the body of Christ. And when one of us is baptized, it's like all of us are being baptized. We all get to share in the vision of the kingdom of God. We all get to experience God's outpouring of his spirit 
Um, <clears throat> and baptism, it's a communal experience. It's something you do in a community. You don't just go out by yourself and baptize yourself. Um, because it's the body of Christ welcoming in a new member. It's saying, hey, you're part of us. And it's not just the baptized person that gets changed. It's all of us that gets changed. Because what we do, how we are, is going to be different because now we have different people that are part of us. That's a good thing. Uh, we're now more than what we were. Whenever somebody's baptism, it's a great celebration because we're inviting more people into our family. And if you have another baby, your family's going to change. Right? That's a good thing. And so when you get baptized, it's a communal event. Hey, this whole family's going to change. It's a good thing. Um, and we move forward together, forward as new people. And it's hard sometimes to include new people in the church. The third baptism story is in Acts chapters uh, 10 and 11. It's really long, and so I'm not going to read it all. But um, it's about the Apostle Peter. And he shared the gospel to a group of Gentiles. Gentiles are non-Jewish people. And they all responded by wanting to follow Jesus. So Peter baptized them. And after Peter baptized the Gentiles, um, he had to defend his actions from criticisms from people who couldn't believe that God was with the Gentiles. And so um, this is what he wrote, in, or this is what he said in Acts 11, starting at verse 15. When I began to speak, the Holy Spirit fell upon them, just as the Spirit fell on us in the beginning. And I remembered the Lord's words. John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. If God gave them the same gift he gave us, who believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, then who am I? Could I stand in God's way? Um, people like to create borders around themselves. It's one of the ways we define ourselves, by stating who's in and who's out, who's holy and who's not, who's God's people and who's not, who's saved and who's not. Um, in this baptism, the Gentiles' baptism, it meant that Christianity isn't just another Jewish sect. It's a movement of all sorts of people, all sorts of people tied together with, 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 with cords that are deeper than ethnic or racial or economic or gender lines, right? Christianity became a people that are defined by their response to Jesus. Baptism means that we're all, all together one, that we're all one, bound in Christ. Um, that Christ broke through the separation of the people. That God is at work in others. While Peter was speaking, even before he finished the sermon, the Holy Spirit fell upon everyone who could hear the word. God could not be contained. The word could not be contained. The Holy Spirit fell upon them. The baptism of the Gentiles, that was just the response afterwards of what the Holy Spirit was already done. And so Peter could not refuse to baptize a people that God was already working in. The old boundaries didn't make sense. And so whenever he was baptizing them, it was, it was almost like an amen. And, and this is a different model of baptism than the others we looked at. So just to be clear, in this baptism of John, the Spirit was supposed to come later. It wasn't here yet. In the baptism of Jesus, the Spirit came when baptism of the Gentiles, the Spirit came before. That's why we can't be dogmatic about some of these things. God works like God works. Um, uh, we're faithful with what he's commanded and we trust that he's doing his real work. 
Baptism means all sorts of things. It's an acknowledgement of sin and brokenness. It's a confession of hope in Jesus. It's participation in death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. It's a vision of heaven pouring into the earth. It's an outpouring of the Holy Spirit on people to receive God's word. It's the reconciliation of people to one another in worship of God. It's inclusion into the body of Christ. It's all these things. It's a life reborn of God growing into the fullness of his promises. Um, last week I was asked, because uh, we were kind of going over covenant affirmations. I know, I'm really lectury lately. I don't know why. Um, maybe it's I miss being a teacher. But I've been lectury lately. So last week we talked about um, the necessity of new birth, why it's important to be born again. And some, somebody in the question and answer time afterwards said, hey, um, does our church believe that you have to be baptized after you're saved? And I said, um, we don't like to talk that way. <laughs> um, because we're invited to participate in baptism. Because that's the way Christian life is. It's just a series of invitations. Hey, you're invited to do this. You're invited to serve God this way. You're invited to give your heart to God. You're invited to shed your old self. You're invited and to live into a new life. You're invited to receive God's promises. It's a bunch of invitations. And like everything else, you can choose to walk into those invitations. You can choose to say yes, yes, yes. Or you can choose not to. Now, refusing an invitation always means that's, that's hard too. There's consequences of that. It means you miss out on stuff. You don't fully participate as you were meant to be. Um, so I would say again, no, you don't have to be. If you're saved, you don't have to be baptized. You get to be if you want to, if you want to follow Christ. And I know this is a complicated. This actually, as I was writing this one, this sermon, I was like, this is a really heady sermon. <laughs> um, because I really, I try to keep the Fifth Sunday's topics pretty light uh, because kids are here. Um, but the more I wrote, the more complicated it became. And then the more complicated it became, I was like, I need to make this simpler. And the more simple I tried to make it, the more complicated it became. Um, and so I'm sorry, this is a complicated topic. But here's the thing to remember. We don't have to understand everything. Okay? Um, and I, I said this, I think last year, you know, I gave a little sermon about baptism because uh, we were at um, Jewel Lake and we were doing kind of, you know, some public baptisms and stuff. But uh, when I got married, I thought I knew what being married was all about. I have to say, I've been married for 15 years now. I know now, I know very little still about what marriage is about. I'm learning but I growing, I'm growing into that marriage. I'm learning about that relationship. I'm growing deeper into that relationship. Baptism's the same way. You can make all sorts of oaths and promises in the moment, but you grow into your baptism. You grow with your baptism, right? You're not gonna have it all figured out. There are gonna be things you question. There's gonna be things that you're like, hmm, I'm not sure about that. There are things you're gonna work into. You grow into your baptism because your baptism is, is your entire faith life. Okay? There, there is the act. Right? Whenever a, I said in the beginning, a sacrament is like the, the oath that a soldier takes. 
whenever they're binding themselves to the Lord. Sure, you take that oath, you take your promises, you take your oaths, but then you have to kind of like live into that and you have to obey and you grow into that. It's the same way with baptism. You grow into your baptism. You work it out. You figure it out as you're living it. Okay, you don't have to have it all figured out. And I mean, that's one of the big things about the covenant church is we do adult baptisms, we do infant baptisms because it's a complicated thing. Um, it's a lot of work. It's a lot of work. It's more complicated. The more, it's one of those things that the more I'm talking about it, the more confusing I know it becomes. Um, kind of like explaining the Trinity. Um, if you try to explain the Trinity, trying God, you just talk yourselves into knots. And that's the way anything really important is. You can't explain it. Some of it you just have to walk and live. So, let's pray and trust that God's going to work it out. Oh, wait, before you pray, does anyone have any questions? This is kind of long, so. Okay. Um, no questions? All, as always, feel free to email me, to message me. Um, talk to Pastor Christy, um, our family pastor. Maybe she can explain it easier. Uh, to me, than me, um, but we're more than happy to talk to you about this. All right, let's pray. Holy Father God, you are good. And we know that you offer yourself to us. That you offer yourself for us um, as a gift of love. And, and like all of life, we decide whether or not we're going to respond to your invitation. Do we walk with you or not? Do we listen to you or not? Do we, do we follow your spirit or do we not? Or teach us how to say yes. Teach us how to discern your invitations. To hear when you're inviting us to live more deeply, more fully into your kingdom. Teach us to discern your spirit and to walk in your truth. In Christ's name, amen.